If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you think of a belief as information, that's all it is, right? And we associate beliefs with truth, but they aren't necessarily true. So they dictate how we operate, what we think, what we do, what we say. We think we're so different, but are we? You know, we focus on difference, but it's only an aspect of difference we're focusing on. It's not everything. And it just depends on whether you decide you want to focus on it to decide that you're different. Welcome to the new season of the Not Perfect Podcast. I'm your host, Poppy Jamie the author and founder of the award-winning app and best-selling book, Happy Not Perfect. This is our time to take a break and go within to unlock ourselves in a new way and stretch our thinking. Whatever you are going through right now, I welcome you into this conversation with a new inspiring thought leader each week to help us thrive, rise and realize our full truth and unlimited potential. As you might know, if you read my book, I'm passionate about us becoming flexible in our thinking. And that starts with some mind, body and soul healing. So let's dive in. Today, I have Ian Washington-Smith on the podcast. I recently spent the weekend with Ian, who taught me some of the most mind-blowing lessons on mental health, beliefs and behavior change. Ian is one of the most fascinating people I've met. He's a former police manager who ran operations and intelligence management, corruption, prevention, and covert investigation. He then went on to found organizations such as the Thames Valley Black Police Association, Cognitive Coaching, and most recently, Mind Smith Thinking. Ian supports individuals and organizations to change, in particular by adapting their thinking towards issues such as individual potential, diversity, and leadership. Through his work, he's able to unlock inner gifts within people. And when I was first told about this, I was like, okay, let's see, maybe. And honestly, the information that was shared with me and Ian's approach is profound. It's different. It takes inspiration from so much the history of psychology. And I really, truly hope that every single person could learn from someone like Ian. What is a favorite quote you return to often and why? From Stoic philosophy, it is not the situation, it is your beliefs about the situation that determine the emotion. That's probably the most profound quote that I've, that I've, that I've ever, well, I only realise it's profound now because I actually understand it and I understand how, when people understand how that works, how it benefits them because it unlocks the secret of belief. And, uh, and we're conditioned to think that situations cause us problems. But when you start to understand that that's not the case, that it's what you believe about situations, then you begin to see what potential really is. 
And, and my, my thing is, I, I wish that humanity understood that, you know, but uh, there's reasons why we don't. And, um, and most people I work with tend to, to say, why didn't we learn this stuff at school? And maybe that's where the answer is. It's not the situation, it's our, it's our belief about the situation. And when you first told me that, I think in the first couple of hours when we were sitting together, it was such a kind of like aha moment because a story you shared that really helped me understand that quote even further is the idea of people who are fearful of dogs, for example. Yes. So, um, and, I, and I use this to, to help people understand how it works. So if you and I were walking along the road, I'm afraid of dogs and you are not. And we see a, a, the smallest dog you can think of that wouldn't be a threat to me, a six foot guy or, or you coming up along the road off its lead. And the next minute you see that I've jumped on a wall and uh, you're looking at me like I'm crazy and my eyes are bulging out. And I'm saying, just get the dog away from me, get the dog away from me. Okay, and you're thinking, Ian, what's wrong with you? It's just a little chihuahua dog, what's wrong with you? Now, the point is that I believe something about the dog that you do not. Mm. And it's my belief about the dog that is affecting my behavior. In that scenario, I'm in fear. So the theme I see in my environment, because the dog has entered my environment, is fear. And therefore, I move into what we call anxiety. You are not. Now, you might be in a different emotion. If you don't like to see dogs off leads, then you might move into a, a different theme where you see a personal rule, and that leads you into anger. Anger is all about personal rules. So there we have two different emotions in the same situation. Now, what if I was able to swap my emotion, which is perceived, with yours? So I was angry at the dog instead. Just that story, everything clicked for me when you first told me that quote. It's not the situation because I wasn't scared of the dog. It's our belief about the situation. So oh, thank you for kickstarting um, this podcast for that. What's a life lesson you've been reminded of recently and why? Uh, I think that it doesn't really matter how, how good you get at this, you know, learning this stuff and helping other people. It can still affect you in certain situations. But the real benefit of learning it is, is that it's a much more temporary effect when you when the emotion gets hold of you and you begin to rationalize it more quickly and, and just realize from a very different perspective that if you don't get these challenges, then there's no opportunity to grow. People say that all the time, but actually you depend on difficult situations in order to move out of your comfort zone and out of your comfort zone is where the growth is. So in some respects, you have to depend on these things to move you on in life. And, and, and if you don't approach them differently when they come along, then you'll find that they come around again. That's what, you know, people say that a lot, but it's true. Being able to kind of welcome challenges feels like a lifelong practice because it's so conditioned to think that life should be without challenge. So even just trying to change that, being like, no, life is with challenge, but that's okay. It yes. serves its purpose. is is yes. definitely a big, long journey ahead of all of us. Yes, yes. What do you understand as soul? From a Jamaican family, brought up in the church and respecting all that that brought to me, you know, as I was growing up in terms of values, etc. You know, you hear this word a lot, 
and, and people have an understanding of it. It's like many words, people use a language and they have an understanding. And sometimes they think that understanding is shared by everyone. But is it? That's the question. My understanding would have been probably from the Christian perspective once upon a time. But now I understand in a very different way. And that's through working with people and observing the change in them when they begin to understand more about themselves. So when I'm doing that or when we're doing that, we start off with somebody who's looking at a situation and thinking that's the only way it can be seen. And we help them by showing them that they can access what we call the rational mind. So your, your conditioned mind is what actually responds to a situation. And sometimes you think you have no choice. Your rational mind is that thing that you can access sometimes when your conditioned mind is getting a little bit out of order, shall we say, okay? And insisting that the universe offers what you tell it that it should offer. As you learn this and you, and you, and you progress, you see that you begin to adapt. You see that you're sort of changing your version of your person from somebody who's always doing this stuff to somebody who does it much less. In addition, because those things sometimes tend to restrict you in terms of how you think or what you think you're capable of, you can think in a limited way about things and you can think in a limited way about yourself. Once you understand this stuff, you limit yourself much less. And therefore, you begin to see that you are also different versions. That makes sense. But here's the question. Who is it that is seeing that you are different versions? Who is it that you're seeing? You know? And as you begin to understand how that works and you can't help it, you begin to see that you're not the person that you think you are. The person is just the identity, the date of birth, what you're given, you know, as you start off in life. And then you think that that is you, but that's a question, is it? And as you evolve, you know, into your many versions, well, which one is you? And as you see that period of growth that you go through, just as I have, you know, once upon a time I was a student, then I became a policeman, and now I'm doing something totally different, something I never thought I would ever do. And, and in all of those, those changes, I've seen now a change in myself. And I know that I'm continuing to change because I am not the person that I think I am. I am something else. I think that is a really beautiful description. Thank you so much. So you're the master of helping people understand that their belief system can be their greatest superpower, but also their worst enemy. Yes. Why do you focus on working at the level of belief? So to give a little metaphor, if, you're, if your car breaks down and you know nothing about engines, you look at the steam and you'll think the steam is the problem, right? But is the steam the problem or is it the engine? Taking that a little bit further, if you did understand more about the engine and your car broke down, you wouldn't need to worry as much because you'd understand the problem. So... We're going back again to this conditioning thing. A lot of the information we get tends to suggest that things happen to us. And so we're looking in this conscious arena for the explanation of a problem. And quite often, the feeling that you get, which again, you're conscious of, is exaggerating the way you see situations. So you can't even really understand why they're occurring. And a lot of things that try to help 
tend to speak in the area of feelings. That makes sense. But feelings are just the exaggerated reality that comes because you've provoked a system of response that will exaggerate reality, will make, will tell you that your feelings are as a result of a situation. This is making me feel. And all these things are leading you away from actually understanding what the problem is. That's really why I... I focus on, on a different area because that's really the area where you need to manage things. You have to understand what's going on beneath. So there's all these different things that they refer to as cognitive distortion, mm. cognitive dissonance. There's all these different things that human beings do. And they're actually, as a result of our primitive capability, fight or flight, whatever you want to call it, is a binary function that, that operates outside of the of the situation that it was designed. It's supposed to design it save us from the dinosaurs or whatever, but we don't actually see in, in life that many real threats. We see a lot of perceived threats, but not real as a system is designed. The problem is that without this knowledge, your, your body doesn't know the difference. It can't see what you see. So it reacts as if, it is a real threat, just like my story about the dog, which is why my eyes were bulging, et cetera, et cetera. To understand how you respond, I would say the easy way to understand it is this, is that you've got three sort of subconscious options. You have indifference, you have preference. Preference is where you have expectations, but you accept they may not be met. And then you have demand. And demand is where you have rigid expectations. They absolutely must have to be met. Unfortunately, you don't know which one you're choosing without this awareness. When you have a problem, you can guess which one causes the problem. Yes, the demand. And that is what actually causes your problem in the situation because it's generating the emotion that makes your perception uh, exaggerated. It's so interesting because when I think about the time when I got really, really burnt out and this idea, that metaphor of kind of the smoking car is so relevant for burnout. It's just like the car, our body is like, stop, I'm exhausted, I can't do it. And I'm wondering whether we kind of had this expectation that, you know, life should be like this. And suddenly we have lost control again because kind of the pandemic has changed and we're in demand, like, no, I wanted my reality to be manageable, me to fit everything in, me not to be overwhelmed, but, and then we, we combust. And so, and then we get very stressed out about seeing the smoke because our body is showing all the signs of being stressed. Absolutely. Your demand is no respecter of your capacity. Ooh. That's the problem. And so human beings in, in this arena are completely moving out of, of what their capacity is. And that's why people have problems. They kind of think, yes, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do the other. It's like saying, you, you know, you've got a, a small car with a very small engine and you're expecting it to perform like a, a Ferrari with a much bigger engine. And a huge boot, like trunk, to like, you know, hold millions of pieces of luggage at the same time. Uh, absolutely right. And, and that's where I'm saying that, until you start to focus on, on some of these subconscious beliefs, they will drive you to a place that is not very pleasant. And, and unfortunately, the only reason I know that, you know, as you know that, is because I've been through it. 
And I went through it without the knowledge that I had now. And But since I've had it, I don't get that anymore. I don't get to that place anymore because I manage it better. And, and when I, you know, when I finished my police service, I was probably two and a half stones heavier. I wasn't looking after myself. I was taking some of the things that human beings need to do in order to maintain their well-being completely for granted. And so that knowledge I didn't have anyway because I wasn't provided with it. I had to look for it. And that's really the problem. There's a lot of information out there uh, where you, do, you don't even consider whether or not it's helpful. You just you just end up doing these things and, and not necessarily thinking whether they whether they're helpful to you. Going back to the belief system that is really controlling our understanding of what's happening around us, understanding our reality. Um, you work with thousands of people around their belief systems. What have you found to be the most common faulty beliefs and what are the consequences of these faulty beliefs? So the most common belief, problematic belief, is that, number one, because you have expectations, your expectations absolutely have to be met. That's number one, right? (laughs) Number two is not good enough belief, which is perhaps the most disturbing because you can see that some people, when their expectations don't go their way, then think that they are not good enough. And then that can result in them doing all sorts of unspeakable things to themselves because they go into that mindset of thinking that they have no value, which is interesting because if you ask them in the rational moment, using another part of the brain, are all men equal? They will say, yes, of course they are. All men and women are equal. Yes, they are. So how do you become of less value then? How does that happen if you believe that all men and women are equal? That makes sense. And that's really what their conditioned belief system has done to them and going with it without actually challenging it. You can actually feel that you also feel and believe that you go up and down like a yo-yo. We think we're so different, but are we? You know, we focus on difference, but it's only an aspect of difference we're focusing on. It's not everything. And it just depends on whether you decide you want to focus on it. And I think it was just really interesting, your point on, for example, if you don't get the promotion or you get, you know, romantically rejected, immediately you turn that into evidence for this kind of underlying belief that you're not good enough. Yes. That's where, you know, you have to kind of, maybe after this conversation, you just sit down and you think, what is the difference between what you believe and what is opinion? You know, you think opinion mm. is a lower form, but actually, is your belief a higher form? What are the grounds for seeing it as different? Even the way quite often data is used you know, they use data and then on the basis of the data we believe. And I, I often say to people, you know, when I was investigating, if I went to court, the defence had a, a brought in a special witness that was a scientist. And on the basis of the scientist's evidence, the judge threw the case out. So I went back to the station. I explained the situation to my supervisor. And the first thing he would say is, yes, but where was your scientist? You see, because scientists give opinion. They don't necessarily give you facts, Mm. give you an opinion. But quite often we can take that information as fact. And and I've been very interested to see how 
how currently we're being influenced to think of science in that way, like it's it can't be challenged or there is no challenge to it. I don't know that science was ever meant to be like that. I've got some really exciting news. My podcast partners, Platinum CBD, have decided to offer the chance for Not Perfect listeners to try their CBD for free. So all you need to do is pay for shipping. Super easy. So if you want to try Platinum CBD for free to help you sleep, manage stress or sore muscles, then all you have to do is visit coal-care.uk and the link will be in the show notes too. And choose between a 10 milliliter CBD oil in peppermint or unflavored or the CBD soft gel capsules. Add it to your basket and at checkout, add the code NOTPERFECTFREE. Get your free CBD while stocks last. Another thing of your teaching that really blew my mind was this idea that all of us have been born with personality wiring. Can you tell us a bit about that? So I'd done during my police career different things like Myers-Briggs and other personality things, but I never really thought about the significance of it. People tend to think, well, I'm in that box or I'm in the other box because that's the human nature thing to do. We think we like to think of ourselves in boxes. But when I when I left, I met a, a guy called George, George Stiliano, and uh, and he was he was really interested in this behavioural wiring stuff. And he really introduced this thing called the colours to me. And people might have heard of it before. And so basically, there's four types. Okay, there's there's the green. The green is the amiable, the people person. The the one next to that, which is also people focused, but more about ideas as well, is the yellow, right? Which is uh, the expressive. And you can tell an expressive person because when you talk to them, they've got a lot of facial expressions and a lot of hand stuff going on. And I, I can move into that one, but I think I'm more green. You're probably more yellow than me. And then above the above the yellow, you've got the red. And the red is what we call the driver. They're very task-focused. They want to get things done very quickly. And then next to the red, also task-focused, is the blue. And the blue, they're all about detail, doing things to a very, very high standard. They're uncomfortable with uncertainty. And because I think uncertainty, if you're uncertain, you can't get to a high standard. There's always something more but they're always thinking about the something more. So they tend to ask a lot of questions and sometimes people get, get a little bit, a little bit miffed with them because they ask too many questions. So you've got that group of four. And in, in what we say is that not, you're not in a box, you will have a comfort zone and that comfort zone will dictate partly or largely how you behave. Now, if you look at all four together, you see you've got a collaboration, right? A collaboration that we've never really accepted because if you uh, marry a red, then there's likely to be more friction because you both like it your way. If you marry a blue, you probably won't make decisions very quickly. If you marry a green, you probably won't make decisions very quickly either. And if you marry a yellow, you'll probably be competing for ideas. So you can see that in that, you've got like a created collaboration which nobody seems to want to accept. But if you look at it, you'll see that it, it, it exists, but it's just never been explained to us in that way. And you can do a test to find out what colour you are. And 
this is really interesting for family relationships and also work relationships because when you identify someone else's color and then you understand that color it was like an awakening for me absolutely and it and it explains a lot of the reason why why people are collaborating or are not collaborating because we tend to think that everybody should think like us and we think that you know like for instance as a green you know reds are very task focused so they'll probably have less words about what they do and and as a green we tend to think they're so rude look they didn't even consider us well that's because they're so focused on getting things done not taking not necessarily taking the people with them whereas we can be overly concerned about harmony and avoiding disharmony that's the green so everybody brings something to the party but the problem is sometimes they're trying to use these tools to solve every situation in their environment rather than thinking about how they can adapt in order to use the right tool for the right situation and i just love this because you realize that every single color has such a unique gift Yes. And I just love that point and which really made me chuckle is that we assume people are like us. Yes. And when they're not, we're like offended or horrified or surprised. It's so bizarre. It's silly really to think that, but so many of us do. And that's because going back to this backpack, what I discovered is what drives our assessment of our environment most is the wiring. The second thing that influences it, yes, is your socialization, but everybody seems to say that everything that happens to you that you want to do something about is about your socialization. But that can't be true because if it was just your socialization, then you'd be exactly the same as your brothers and sisters, wouldn't you? And the fact that you're not means there must be another factor that's influencing the way you think and behave. And then the third one is the ongoing socialization that I call it which is media which is where you know once upon a time in my 20s we used to do a bit of bench pressing you know do some weights blah 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 but we didn't have to have the perfect six pack in order to be okay and you'll see that a lot of people now have moved into this way of thinking that they think certain things are essential when they're actually not you know and then they now take that as their their part of their i and without having it looking a certain way they become incomplete so they they move into this conditional acceptance of the self which is where a lot of the problems lie you know because they, but the people don't realize that because it sort of comes into their heads that you need to have this and you need to have that when actually you don't the only thing you really need is the air that you breathe and the food that you eat but other people say other things I know that my mum in particular when she kind of really started to look into this she always said that she mothered in a totally different way finally having understanding that her kids were like totally different they were different colors I think it gave her just so much relaxation to be honest it took away so much anxiety when you can understand what someone is like their comfort zone is and then you can slightly adapt yourself to make that person feel comfortable and as a consequence then they don't have to feel anxious. Yeah, because if your mom is a green, imagine, then she'll be in a state of disharmony, which is very uncomfortable for a green because everybody's not happy and smiling. So having those types of answers, you know, brings a lot of comfort 
to people because you realize if you're adapting the way you manage people uh, or the way you deal with them, then you, you'll just have a much better relationship. And I think that's the thing that in companies, mm. that's where the opportunity is because when people get upset, they move into an emotion. When you move into an emotion, your attention goes with it. And your attention is no longer on what you're doing. It's now on whatever you're in the emotion about. So, you know, for, for companies or people working for themselves, that's the whole point about this demand stuff. Whenever you're in demand, the possibility of your dynamite going out and your emotion moving into emotion, moving off the plan is there, you know, whereas when you're in preference, you'll, you'll ride it and you'll continue to do what is goal related. So that's really what the opportunity is. Really, really interesting in companies because to your point, as soon as everyone's in emotion and not thinking about the task anymore, everyone goes into disarray and stress and nothing gets done. I will put some links so people can kind of find out what colors they are and then maybe read up and then you can kind of maybe spot uh, who, you know, who you think your partner is or the people that you're working with. Um, I've definitely just made some terrible hires in the past through my lack of understanding, I think, of colors, of personality types. Because when you understand also the colors that most work well with you, you can create more harmonious teams quicker rather than the other way around. So super useful tool. Absolutely. And the the other thing about the colors is that they'll be looking for different things from you as a manager or you as a leader, uh, unless they're aware So, for instance, the yellows will look for recognition. The greens will look for approval. The blues, that's the analyticals, they'll look for status or to be the wise owl. And the the reds, they they like to win. You know, they like to, yeah, they like things done quickly, but they they don't want to be losing. They want to win. Uh, And they also like to have control. So how you manage them, if they're not aware of this stuff, or your success in managing them, is, is whether you get, you actually get a grip of that because it's all under the subconscious. It's all subconscious stuff going on that they won't even realise they're doing. I would love to kind of hear about, really from a broad perspective on how you think belief systems work within social groups and how do you understand what's going on now? When you say belief system, what you're talking about is meaning and the meaning that you give to certain things. And when, once you give meaning to it, then it begins to matter, meaning and matter. So remember I said at the beginning, it's all about information that we make more significant because we give it meaning. Then you begin to see how division is created because we've just given something meaning. So if I sat here thinking, oh, well, poppy's white and therefore blah, 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 then I would be creating a problem. It's not that I'm saying that there aren't people out there that have problems about this, about women or have problems, blah, blah, blah. But the point is that a lot of these problems are created. We are creating them because of the way we see them. It doesn't mean that people don't have problems themselves. Somebody over there may have a problem. But it doesn't have to become your problem unless you give what they say meaning. So in the UK, we had Brexit. And Brexit, that word 
has changed some people's views of other Europeans mm. because they've given the meaning to Brexit and then they've given this meaning to the word European like all Europeans are the same. We, we have this habit of referring to Mexicans, Americans, and then in that moment we think they're all the same, which we know they're not. But quite often we're making these sweeping generalizations about people. And the difference is only there when we give it meaning. Now, on the basis that we don't know that, people can exaggerate the difference to make us think we're so different that actually these people are outsiders and we're the insiders. So the, the borders of the country become they're outside the country and we're inside. And on the basis that you believe that you're inside, then you can believe that people are outside. So that's what we're doing a lot of the time. And the, the, the media tend to add this fear thing to it. And because they add this fear thing to it, then becomes a problem. Let me give you let me give an example. I, I grew up in Birmingham and uh, we moved from one area that was, was like then in the 1960s, probably five to 10% black to an area that was 99.9% white, okay? And the people were really nice to us and I had a real cotton wool upbringing. Anyway, so when I was 18, I went to uni and my mom ran me one day and said, oh, the local paper's written an article about black people moving into this area and the views of the indigenous population who are mostly white about black people moving into this area. Now, in that time, a lot of, of the people there, the English people, white people, I have called them, hadn't actually met black people. They'd never met any. So this is the interesting thing. A lot of them were saying that they were very fearful about the people moving in. Now, why were they fearful if they'd never met black people? They must have got the information from somewhere. So they've, they've, they've actually taken in this information which is influencing the way they think and behave. Mm -hmm. Now, what happened was one of them was saying, oh, one day we had a chip pan fire and, and there was another family that lived there, a guy named Mr. Crooks, whose son was a friend of mine, and he was from the West Indies. And he ran in the house and helped them with a chip pan fire. And after he did that, he was fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. So, so you begin to see that the way people see situations, it's not of their own doing. Mm. It depends on what's fed into them information-wise, what they collect like sponges. So, so when you unpick it and you begin to see how this influence works, you just find you're not so susceptible to it anymore that's what the beauty of it is and and as soon as you start to learn a bit more about the way beliefs works you naturally will move to that that situation because you don't want other people influencing the way you think if you can help it totally i just think your approach is a true route to uh, freedom from conditioning yes which we have all been susceptible to whether not believing that you know skinny enough or have the right abs or yeah. look right or sound right or do yeah. right it's just this enormous amounts of information that we've absorbed and probably aren't exactly helping unlock our potential it's true and and, and there's so many people who suffer because they've got this condition this conditional acceptance of the self honestly 
All of those things you've talked about when I was doing more of the therapy stuff, I was working with people like that. And unless you really get to understand what goes on under the surface and how you come to see things, it's very difficult to shift those types of problems. But once you do and you become more objective about your belief system, honestly, it's amazing, amazing what can happen. So I'm just saying that for some people who may have had difficulty and who who perhaps think there is no answer, there probably is an answer for you. You know, you just haven't found the right information yet. Oh, thank you so much, Ian. This has been such an interesting chat. Where can people find you and how can people work with you? Because we really just scratched the surface in what you can do in this particular work. And it really is truly liberating. It's like some of the, my most favorite work I've ever studied. So uh, I call it mindsmith thinking. And I call it that because I want everybody to have this understanding of the mind, to be your own mind, to be able to sort your own mind out, because only you live inside your head. Nobody else does. And if you can understand the mechanics of it, then you'll find that you negotiate difficulties in life in the most effective way. So that's why we call it that. So it's called Mindsmith Thinking. I call it Mindsmith for sure, but it's called Mindsmith Thinking. It's mindsmiththinking.com. Great. And I will put that all in the show notes and also put a link to his Instagram as well. Thank you so much, Ian, for this delightful, informative podcast. It was a great, great conversation. Really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. It would be a huge support if you wouldn't mind rating, subscribing and sharing this podcast. I also would love to hear from you. So please find me at Poppy Jamie on Instagram, DM me and I would love to hear your thoughts on any of the topics that we discuss. Download Happy Not Perfect, my app that's designed to boost your mood and help you sleep and give you mindfulness in less than five minutes. It's packed full of science-backed tools and rituals to give your mind the care it needs. Sending lots of love and energy. See you next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.